Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with me, Tom, and... Tim. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Tim. How are you? Good. It's been another exciting week in football. Yes, it has. And today, we're going to talk about Marcelo Bielsa. And bye-bye, Bielsa. He has left Leeds United. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to ask the question about English for football managers. How much English do they need? And we're going to compare some managers. Yeah, we've got some real uh, success stories, people who have mastered the English language, and also some examples of people who have had problems. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about Marcelo Bielsa. It's, uh, it's sad news for Leeds United fans. Uh, Leeds is a huge club, a historical club of English football. Leeds is a city with only one club, so the football fans are incredibly passionate. And Marcelo Bielsa has become part of the family. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Leeds are only two points above the relegation zone. They've lost their last five games, conceding 20 goals. But there weren't fans booing him in the stadium. There wasn't an appetite for him to get sacked. So it was a bit of a surprise when the, uh, when the, when the owners decided that his time had come. Yes, that's the first question I want to ask you about his time. Was it the right time or was it too soon to sack him? Well... I think you can argue both sides. Um, Marcelo Bielsa has brought a really exciting style of football to Leeds United, a high-intensity style, uh, a full-pitch press. Uh, his teams really try to win the ball back high up the pitch. They defend one-on-one as opposed to zonal. They take a lot of risks all over the pitch. And for a long time, that worked. That was why they got uh, promoted from the Championship. It's why they had a fantastic first season in the Premier League, finishing mid-table. But this season, it's caused a lot of problems. They've had some key injuries to players like Kelvin Phillips, who dominated the midfield under Bielsa, Patrick Bamford, who's been scoring the goals and creating a structure for them to attack around. And of course, at the back, Liam Cooper, who's been a big loss, a nice, strong English centre-back. Um, mm. So because of that, they have struggled. Uh, and they've only got one way of playing. And this is where Bielsa, I think, has had a problem. He hasn't adapted he already had a small squad of players and fatigue or tiredness was one of the problems last season when they didn't have any injury problems. But this season with the injury problems, I think he needed to adapt his style of play to become less intensive, less tiring and to fit the players that he had available. It's all very good to, to, to play a one-man defensive midfield tactic when you've got somebody like Kelvin Phillips. But with Phillips injured, uh, that tactic has shown itself to be, um, to be a bit of a problem. I think they've played uh, 26 games this season and they've had 15 different defensive partnerships. Uh, and that's just the centre-backs. So you can see there's been a lot of changes. And I, I must say, I, it feels a bit harsh on Bielsa, but I think he should have adapted. Um, so maybe it isn't too soon. Mm-hmm. I see. So that's good, actually. You, you've summed up there. Uh, if it was too soon and also what went wrong, you spoke about the injuries and I tend to agree. Kelvin Phillips is, of course, an England midfielder and he has been injured since uh, December. I believe he's had some hamstring surgery and they've not been able to fill his space. He plays the defensive role or the, the pivot as a, as a midfielder just in front of the back four to give them protection. 
I agree as well, the club captain. I'm not sure if Liam Cooper, the club captain, is actually of Premier League quality, but the the command, the charisma, the control he will have over the players around him, uh, it's impossible to deny that you need your captain there on the field when the going gets tough. Um, I suppose the next question is really, will the new guy, an American manager called Jesse Marsh, Will he make a big difference? Uh, maybe to some of our listeners, he will be a new name. Uh, he's not managed in English football before, but he's got a, a big a big history. He's been a Leipzig manager, although he didn't last long at Leipzig. He's also been a Red Bull Salzburg manager, so he's got a connection with the Red Bull um, family coming from Red Bull New York. He's also been um, the United States uh, assistant manager. Um, so he's had some big jobs, but he's a new name to English football. Uh, I've done a little bit of research. I hear he's a bit of a footballing purist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is he cares more about the style of play than the results. Um, and that's very noble, very honourable. But we're at the beginning of March. Leeds are two points off the drop. Tom, I want to ask you a simple question. If you were a Leeds fan, what would you be more... Uh, bothered about at the moment results or performances you would be very if I were a Leeds fan I would be very worried about the defence and the goals they concede so results I think is the most important thing stopping conceding goals as you mentioned that statistic they've conceded 20 goals in the last 5 games an average of 4 goals per game that is damning they need to shore up I mean, by sure up to make the defence much stronger. So, a purist, it sounds a little bit like Marcelo Bielsa again. You know, as you mentioned, he maybe didn't have the tactical flexibility to change his playing style uh, when it became tough for them. Uh, Maybe we'll have the same problem with Jesse Marsh, or maybe Jesse Marsh will recognise the gravity of the situation, and at this time in the season... It is a dogfight. What do I mean by a dogfight? A dogfight is a desperate fight where mm. anything anything is acceptable. The only thing that matters is, is winning the fight. Um, mm. It's interesting because um, there's in English football, we seem to feel that we are geniuses of football. And often when, when we hear about an American influence in football, there is a kind of resistance to a new world of football. It's kind mm. of the opposite. When... When a Spanish or an Italian or a German manager comes to England, we assume that they're going to have tactical knowledge that's that's beyond what the English managers have. But I think it's a bit harsh that uh, in England, sometimes I think um, American managers, American players are sometimes overlooked. You make a good point there. We we do perceive that the, the heartland of, of football and all the freshest ideas come from the continent of Europe. So when we have... Uh, French, Germans, Italian, Spanish, Portuguese coming, we immediately give them respect and assume they have extra knowledge, extra insight. However, our friends across the pond in America, we tend to think, well, the South Americans, of course, have a a particular style that, that we have to respect and admire, but we're not necessarily going to credit North Americans with the tactical awareness that we we have in Europe. So, there may be some people making comparisons with Ted Lasso. Are you familiar with that TV show, Ted Lasso? I haven't seen it, but I've heard Ralph Rangnick be compared to him by the Manchester uh-huh. United players. 
So, yes, it, it could be tough on Jesse Marsh, but let's be honest. If Leeds stay up, he will stay in the job. Uh, if Leeds go down, he will be gone as well. It's interesting that what you say about the South American managers, and, and you're right, they are respected uh, by the British game more than the North American managers, but even now, uh, I'm just thought of uh, Luis Felipe Scolari, who mm-hmm. went to Chelsea as a World Cup winner, and he wasn't seen as a serious manager. And I think that contributed to him not lasting long. Uh, the first signs of, of problems, he was sacked. And I wonder if something to do with that was uh, the fact that uh, the British press, the fans, the, the natural sentiment in British football wasn't to respect uh, the, Brazilian, the Brazilian tactics, which, to be honest, from a country which has won five World Cups, mm-hmm. the kind of thing that England can only dream of, Maybe the problem wasn't uh, the Brazilians' tactics, but maybe our, our own tactics. Interesting point. Yes, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a Brazilian manager who's really succeeded in English football. I think we've got Pochettino as an Argentinian. Argentinian and, of course, Marcelo Bielsa. You can argue that he has been successful in his career up until the last uh, couple of months. So Argentinian managers, but uh, yes, Brazilians. Come on, Brazilian managers. Let's see you show your stuff. I think maybe it comes from the fact that in England we see that Brazil's success comes from individual quality. Mm-hmm. We look at players like Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Kaká, uh, Neymar more recently, and we think, well, what does the manager have to do with such amazing players? Anyway, going back to the point of the podcast, one thing that was quite interesting about Marcelo Bielsa, Tom, was his use of an interpreter, a translator. Um, in his interviews with the press, he always had a guy next to him, uh, mm-hmm. Andres Clavijo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading on a Leeds website this morning, a lot of the Leeds fans are very sad to see him go as well. He's mm-hmm. become a bit of a cult hero. I must admit, I've listened to some of his interpretations and uh, I also have become a fan of Andres Clavijo. I like his use of idioms. He he clearly has an excellent understanding of uh, of kind of grassroots English football language. Yes, he's definitely got the football from the street vocabulary, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Along hasn't with it? the accent as well. Yes, he's a, he's a Londoner, um, but he's, uh, he's, really, uh, he's really made a big impact. And I think he's been used in an intelligent way. We're going to compare right now, we're going to compare Bielsa and Pochettino and how they both used an interpreter when they came to English football. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them arrived with very limited language skills. Uh, Pochettino... Uh, used the interpreter basically until his English was good and then he, uh, or good enough, and then he stopped using him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bielsa has been a little bit more tactical, shall I say? Uh, I think he's used the interpreter for longer than is actually necessary. When I see, uh, as teachers, Tom, uh, you can see when somebody understands what's being said, and I see Bielsa in interviews be asked questions and respond facially with his body language as if he's understood the question and then he waits for his uh, interpreter Andres Clavijo to tell him what was said and I think it buys him a little bit of time allows him to think a little bit more before responding to some maybe difficult questions uh, do you think that's possible I suspect you're right yes I, I, I would suspect after so long in living in England that Bielsa has much better English than uh, he lets on. To let something on is to, to reveal, to give away something so people know uh, what is true and what is not. He doesn't let on that he can speak English, but I'm sure he does, partly because 
Uh, his teams have, have understood very clearly exactly what to do. Again, that could be credit to the translator, but I'm sure he, he is able to communicate his ideas on the training ground. And the other aspect is that translator becomes a shield. It, pro it, it protects him from the press, from journalists who could get hostile, aggressive, journalists who might not be tactful with the way they are asking questions. Uh, he has an extra defence. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Uh, and he uses it very well. He uses it very well. Mm. Um, let's move on to some different managers. Oh, I just want to mention Pochettino, though, because oh, sorry. I, I have to give him credit because Poch, uh, I, in my opinion, has made some of the best progress in learning English. I don't know his true level when he arrived, but I knew at the beginning at Southampton he was reliant on the translator. By the time he came to Tottenham, uh, he was certainly much more comfortable, and, and by the end of his time, he was even in the studio commentating, talking about games uh, with the other television football players. So uh, I think Pochettino showed the best intention and progress in learning English. Yeah, actually, back to what you were saying about Bielsa, a bit more evidence that he does speak good English is the way he's connected with the players and created a family feel within, within the club. I don't think he could have created that atmosphere just through an interpreter. Mm -hmm. it, doesn't it doesn't matter how good the interpreter is. To, to create that human connection, there needs to be face-to-face -face communication. Um, and I think he, he must have done that. So, let's move on. Um, let's talk about the special one. Mm -hmm. um, because when he came to England, his English wasn't perfect. Uh, he did have some obvious errors. Who's the special one? Uh, sorry, the one who used to be special, Jose Mourinho. Yes, or he would tell you Jose. Jose, Jose. Mourinho, <laughs> yes. So he came to England in 2004 from Porto, having just won the Champions League. He declared in his first press conference in front of the English press that he was the special one. Um, and I think because he was a good-looking man, because he was charming, because he was a winner... Um, People liked his mistakes. People celebrated his difference and, and forgave him in ways that uh, another manager that we're going to speak about later didn't, didn't get forgiven. Can you think of any other reasons why Jose Mourinho was so successful in his use of the English language? Yes, I, Jose Mourinho, I would say it's about the, the nonverbal communication as much as the words he was speaking. You were right. He's... His actual level of English was very much based in the present simple, and it didn't really progress uh, from his beginning days in Chelsea in 2004 right through to late interviews at Tottenham Hotspur in 2020. Uh, he was still using the same vocabulary, the same grammatical structures, but he has got that charisma. You mentioned his good looks. Uh, it's also a kind of way of showing he's in control, uh, a supreme confidence, which I believe came from working closely with Bobby Robson at, at Barcelona as his translator, the mister. Uh, I, I believe Jose Mourinho developed his ability to communicate ideas in English uh, from this experience, uh, and that's really what did it. It was the charisma factor for him. Yes, um, one piece of vocabulary that he did learn um, having played Bolton, I remember him uh, accusing uh, Sam Allardyce of parking the bus. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he had been told that he had just learnt that expression. 
And of mm. course, it was then a, a criticism given against Mourinho teams later in his career. Mm. We are talking about teams with a very defensive formation who don't want to lose to yes. park the bus. Yes. Um, so let's go on and talk about some two real successes in terms of uh, managers who have come to England and dominated the English language so much so that uh, I think these two managers probably think in English when they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk first, um, because I think he was one of the first Spanish managers to come over to England and make a real impact, Rafa Benitez. Mm-hmm. Of course, he had a long time at uh, Liverpool. He had an unsuccessful spell at Chelsea. Uh, and more recently, he's been at uh, Newcastle, where he became a fan's favourite and then he had another unsuccessful spell at Everton. So he's, see, he's done the rounds, uh, mm-hmm. and by to do the rounds, he's done the rounds. I mean, he's been in many places. Um, mm-hmm. But his English is fantastic, Tom. And I think it's because he integrated into the local community. His wife is from Liverpool. His children and his family still live in Liverpool. In fact, he's got a bit of a strange accent, but it's not a Spanish-English accent. It's a spanish Liverpool English accent. It's mm-hmm. a very. I, he says he doesn't say club like me and you would say club. He says club, like uh-huh. someone from the north of England would say club. We call this a Scouse accent, the Liverpool accent. Uh-huh. So this shows that he actually has a, a skill I am envious of. He's able to uh, not just listen to a particular accent, but he's able to absorb it and reproduce it. It's something which. I struggle with, but some people have a, a natural ability or, or some, maybe he just works very, very hard. Yeah, uh, we've, we've all heard you speaking Spanish and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm afraid I'm not, I'm not any better. Um, so yes, fair play to Rafael Benitez. Um, and then another manager who's become incredibly eloquent in English. And what do I mean by eloquent? Eloquent means uh, graceful. Uh, it could also mean dignified. It could describe the way you carry yourself, the way you move yourself, which is charming. People like the way you behave. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. Very eloquent. I might just be saying this because he's currently uh, the Arsenal manager. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mikel Arteta, uh, he's got a long, long history in English football. He came to Everton. No, oh, sorry, he was at Rangers before mm-hmm. Everton. So he had a bit of Scottish influence. Then he was at Everton for years. Then he uh, went to Arsenal. Uh, then he became the Manchester City assistant manager. And now, of mm-hmm. course, he's the Arsenal manager. So I think he's been in England for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's almost, he's almost like a politician when he speaks. He's able to use the language to give just as much information as he wants, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think he's an incredibly intelligent man uh, and, you can, that, and he's able to transmit that when he's speaking English. Now, this is something I notice when I speak Spanish. I, I feel like I sound stupid sometimes mm-hmm. because I don't have the same linguistic skills or devices mm-hmm. to, to allow me to, to produce difficult points. Mm-hmm. But Arteta certainly does. Well, I think we can certainly attribute his intelligence, his experience living in the United Kingdom. I think a third factor is important is, is he from the Basque land or from Catalonia? Basque country. Basque country, in which case he will have grown up in a bilingual environment. Well, in fact, I can tell you that uh, Mikel Arteta speaks Spanish, Basque, Catalan, Portuguese, French and English. So he's a true polyglot. Yes, he's got six languages. 
I'm very jealous. Yes. In <laughs> fact, there's quite a few footballers who are like that. Romelu Lukaku mm-hmm. speaks seven languages. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a lot of footballers uh, who, who are real polyglots. It's quite mm-hmm. impressive. Uh, I've got a bit of a final question for you, Tom, before we finish. Uh, Arsenal this summer are going to have to choose a new captain. And the candidates are Kieran Tierney uh, and Gabriel, the mm-hmm. defender. Um, and a lot of people would like to give it to Gabriel, but apparently his English isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So what level of English do you think would be necessary to be a captain? Could you say a B1, a B2, a C1? Or is it related to what you were saying earlier with Mourinho, your charm, your natural communication style? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry to spring a question on you un- unexpectedly. No problem. That's a very good question. I, I think to be club captain, you need English or you need the language of the country that you are in. But being club captain and being captain on the field of play are often two different jobs. To be captain on the field of play, I don't think you need a very high level of English if your skills of leadership can compensate for that. So, for example, I have no idea how good Tiago Silva is at speaking English, but I would have absolutely no problem giving him the captain's armband for Chelsea because I know that He communicates all the right attitudes and he would find a way to get the message he needs to the players around him. So he would lead by example. Exactly. That's more important than the language uh, ability, I believe, when you are on the field. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I'm a big speaker when I play football because I'm not very good with my feet. I think I try and compensate with my mouth. Um, And and when I came to live in Spain, I've been speaking Spanish on the football pitch, even when my Spanish was very poor. Mm -hmm. So I think you're probably right. I'd like to talk about one one more manager. I think we've just got enough time to mention Unai Emery. Oh, Unai Emery, yes. So talking about English, uh, speaking English as you come, Unai Emery arrived with a lot of confidence and at his first press conference he tried to impress the uh, the Arsenal journalists with his English and I believe it backfired. Yes, I think you're right, exactly what you said there. He came over with a lot of confidence. He had He had what I think was a good idea to try and communicate in English, to try and speak to people in the language of the country. But his pronunciation created big problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word that really was used against him was the word evening. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he said, good evening. Uh-huh. Um, and, and there were memes about it. There were videos doing the rounds mm-hmm. on, on WhatsApp. And it became a, a stick to beat him with. And when I say a stick to beat him with, it's, a, it's an idiom and a saying which means something to attack somebody with. Mm-hmm. I don't really mean a literal stick. So mm-hmm. his, his accent was used as a stick to beat him with. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, he was never able to lose that reputation. Yes, I, I would agree. It was almost like he was a bit of a clown, a bit of a joke when he spoke. And I say that with sadness because I think he's a fantastic manager. Uh, I know people who know him personally. And they were also disappointed with him trying to speak. They... Normally, as an English teacher, we tell our students, go out there, try to speak, don't worry about your mistakes. Perhaps stepping into an important job as a football manager is a situation where you should take the Marcelo Bielsa route or the Pochettino route until you at least have a level you feel comfortable with. Yeah, and football is a dog-eat-dog world. There isn't a lot of sympathy uh, Mm. for the weak. 
and um, yes. and players are a bit like children, really. Yes. And, and when children find your weakness, they do exploit it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Unai Emery came to Arsenal. He was trying to implement big tactical changes, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously required a lot of communication of how he wanted to play. And and I think the communication thing became an excuse for the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it became more important than it actually was. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he did. He did make a rod for his own back. Um, oh, that's a good expression. Yes. To make a rod for your own back, to make things more difficult for, for yourself. yourself. Yes, mm. he made a rod for his own back. Um, and I think if he came here again, he would maybe change tactic. Um, but in fact, the problem wasn't his his English. He did have vocabulary, grammar. He could understand. It was his pronunciation, mm-hmm. which was the real thing that uh, people jumped on. Mm-hmm. So what's what would be your tips Tom if you were a, if if you had a foreign manager coming to to work in England mm-hmm. and you were this manager's agent and uh, they didn't have strong English what would you tell them interpreter <laughs> or no interpreter Well I I have a memory of uh, David Moyes taking the Real Sociedad job trying to slip in a bit of Spanish while he was giving his uh, commentary in English and then he switched to uno, dos, tres, and then realized he didn't have any more to say in Spanish and jumped back. And again, like Unai Emery, it became a meme. It became a joke, a rod for his own back. So my advice for any manager stepping in, take a translator, use your translator as a shield. He will protect you from the criticism that could come. Yes, I've got another fantastic example of that. It was, uh, of course, the Wally with the Broly, Steve McLaren. Um, when he went to manage in Holland at FC20, he did an interview in English, but he tried to pretend that he had a Dutch accent. <laughs> yes. So you have an Englishman speaking English yeah. with a Dutch accent. Yeah. And yes, he became the butt of everybody's jokes. Yeah. Now, I, a, nice, a nice expression, to be the butt of people's jokes is to be the thing that people laugh about. And Steve McLaren mm-hmm. is, I think, almost internationally a butt yeah. of people's jokes. We call him in England the Wally with the Broly. Mm-hmm. A Wally is a fool and a Broly is an umbrella mm-hmm. because uh, we were knocked out of a, a qualification for a tournament and it was raining and he was standing there on the side of the pitch with his umbrella looking totally clueless. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And then in Holland, he's laughed out for his language skills. Well, that's great. A couple of funny memories there. Let's finish there. Just before our listeners go, uh, if you like our podcast, if you want to support us, the best thing you can do is share it with people you know and also leave a rating or a little review for us on your podcast platform. That might be Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts. Give us a rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it because it helps us grow in the algorithm. And of course, uh, we've got a Facebook group, a Facebook page, uh, mm-hmm. the Learn English Football Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do want to interact with the podcast, ask a question, ask us to talk about a topic uh, in upcoming podcasts, we'll be happy to uh, to, to meet the need. Mm-hmm. And also give us uh, your tips if there's anything you'd like to hear or anything you'd like to have added or changed let us know what you think thank you okay tom it's been an absolute pleasure i'm looking forward to some football this weekend arsenal Mm -hmm. watford Mm -hmm. manchester united manchester city lots of big games very big game for leeds united against leicester city as well yes it's been (laughs) interesting time to see if this uh, new manager can uh, hit the ground running yes have a fantastic weekend bye 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 bye